It's the most wonderful time of the year, Christmas. And what better way to get into the holiday spirit than with a Minky Couture blanket? Whether you're gathered around the tree with loved ones, roasting marshmallows by the fire, or just looking for a cozy way to stay warm on a chilly night, Minky blankets are the perfect addition to your Christmas festivities. With a wide range of festive designs and colors, you can find the perfect blanket to match your holiday decor or gift to your loved ones. So this Christmas, make your holiday even cozier with a Minky Couture blanket. Head to MinkyCouture.com now and find your perfect blanket, just in time for the holiday. Happy Holidays from Minky Couture. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jeff Pelletier. The purpose of our podcast is a simple question. Why is Israel important? Over the next many episodes, my partner Neil Johnson and I will seek to answer this question. There are just barely over 14 million descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the world today, and about five and a half million of them live in Israel. The rest are scattered across and among the nations. For the sake of our podcast, Israel is both a country and a people. Welcome back. Jeff Pelletier and Neil Johnson here again to ask the question, Israel, why is the Middle East important? The program is the journey of helping you and us to answer that question. It's a journey because from where we're at at this point, this is our ninth episode, we don't have the end in sight yet. A big part of our journey is focused on uh, the five key figures in the biblical story that we've identified. Adam, Noah, Abram, Moses, and Jesus. We're in the middle of the Abraham segment now, and we'll be getting into that in a minute. But so far in our journey, we've learned some things uh, that are quite important. And of these important things we've learned is that God, the God of the universe, really does have a plan. And he's working his plan. We've also learned that God is in the covenant business with us. He gave Adam and Eve the covenant of marriage. He made a covenant with Adam and Eve in the garden about their life there, which they violated. He made a covenant with Noah. And he also makes a covenant with the people of the whole world after the great flood as a sign of that covenant. And he made a covenant with Abraham. It is this covenant that we'll be discussing today. I recommend you going to your favorite podcast resource to begin with Genesis 1 in Episode 1 and listen to the first eight episodes to get the fullness of where we are in Israel, Why is the Middle East Important? That's Israel, Why is the Middle East Important? Now, we're studying Abraham, uh, and we're studying Abraham in the scriptures, and the scriptures are divided in Judaism into parsho. And we have identified uh, also that God is testing Abraham. Now, these are not exams. They're not examinations. They're situations that God places Abraham in, and they're there to teach and develop him. The first test that God gave Abraham was to go, to go without knowing. Just go. And Abraham went. Now here's the outline that we have for the current series on Abraham. We have three parshots. We have Lech Lecha, which is go. We have Ver... ver uh, how do I say that, Neil? Vaira. Vaira, which he appeared. And then we have... Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. The life of Sarah. The life of Sarah. And then we have... And this is all posted on our Facebook page. We have the Ten Trials of Abraham. 
and some of these trials have already happened. So let, let's turn our attention uh, to chapter 15 in Genesis, and I'm going to read this passage, which is part of a parshot in, uh, in, in Judaism, and then we're going to talk about what happens here, because uh, this is not part of the trials or the tests. This is just something that God does right in the middle of this incredible situation Abraham finds himself. And what happens here is extremely important to the question of our show. Israel, why is the Middle East important? So, I'll read. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am, your sh I am a shield to you, and your reward shall be very great. Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me, since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliza of Damascus? And Abraham said, Since you have given me no offspring, one born in my house will be my heir. Then, behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man shall not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took them outside, that's the Lord, took them outside. Now look toward the heavens and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, this is God again, so shall your descendants be. Then Abraham believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him, God reckoned it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land, to possess it. And Abraham said, O Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it, meaning the land? God said to Abraham, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then Abraham brought all these things to God, cut them in two, and laid each half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds. The birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed four hundred years. But I will also judge that nation whom they will serve, and afterward they will come out with many possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and be buried at an old age. Then in the fourth generation they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. It came about when the sun had set that it was very dark, and behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch, which passed between the pieces of the sacrifice. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. So that's the passage we're going to talk about today, because we are trying to answer the question, Israel, why is the Middle East important? And Abraham is one of the five key people in this discussion. Neil, God is revealing himself to Abram over time, and he's proving his faith through trials. And God is giving Abram work to do for him. 
And it appears to be strengthening Abram's faith to do these things for God. Right. Well, I think that uh, that was the whole purpose of uh, Moshe recording the life of Abram, Abraham, for us so that we could see how, in fact, that uh, while he did have his uh, missteps, perhaps, from time to time, he also, in the summation of his life, he was very much a man of faith and an overcomer. And so that, that is for us to look at as an example. So let's look at... Uh, chapter 15. Yeah. Okay, so the very first thing that caught my attention sure. is the very first three words of verse 1. Okay, that's a great place to start. Yeah, I mean, after <laughs> after these things. Right. What right. is he talking about? What things? Yeah, and, uh, and after meaning how long after mm-hmm. and when. So mm-hmm. the Bible, like we've always say, is always not that clear. It didn't say two weeks or 24 hours or immediately thereafter. It just says after. Mm-hmm. So nonetheless, we know from having read the previous chapter, that's a man-made convention to divide it up for, for ease of reading and understanding, of course. So mm-hmm. sometimes it can help and sometimes, quite frankly, it can be a little bit obscure because mm-hmm. we think that ended here and Maybe that's not the end of the story. But nonetheless, after these things, we did read in the previous uh, chapter uh, the whole episode of Abraham rescuing Lot. And after these things, after this great victory, after these great manifestations, we see here that after Melchizedek blessed Abraham with a blessing and gave him a title Mm -hmm. uh, from God, Mm God affirms that blessing of Melchizedek and says, so after these things, whatever that time period is or whatever, after these events, God himself says, Abraham, according to Melchizedek, just as he prophesied over you or blessed you or whatever, I am the shield to you. I am your reward. Your reward shall be very great. Mm -hmm. So if you think about that, isn't that really a powerful reaffirmation, a continuing affirmation of Abraham's walk with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, and I think God is uh, God is kind of saying that He's pleased with Abraham's situation. He's pleased with what He's seeing. Absolutely, from Abraham, He's He's being obedient. He's going. He's doing what He's what He's been given to do. He makes mistakes. Like right. he made a mistake by by leaving uh, the the land and going to Egypt, right? Because of the famine, he was he got cold feet and left, right? But he came back, right? So he uh, Abraham is. Uh, Abraham is being judged, if you like, uh, judged in a good way, all right? Evaluated might be a better way of saying it, by God to say, you're doing great. Yeah. I'm really liking what you're doing. Well, as we read these, uh, just these few chapters that are full of meaning and and, uh, insights as to how the spiritual realm works, uh, which we'll get into momentarily as we go through this, but... These are insights for our edification, our Mm -hmm. uh, encouragement to walk through life. Mm -hmm. God just told Abraham, again, Mm. I am with you. Mm. Well, some of us have never heard that to begin with. We do it by faith that God is with us. And sometimes that faith can be very strong, and other times it can be a little less uh, firm. Nonetheless, Abraham received these blessings by God, but as we're going to see, his life was anything but... Uh, trouble-free. So Mm -hmm. both are true at the same time, and sometimes that's what we have to recognize. Even during the course of seeming onslaughts, both are true. I am your reward, I am your shield, and you will have trouble. So God has previously told Abraham, or Abram, that he is going to... 
How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. To uh, give him uh, an heir, is that correct? Well, he, he did say that in the sense that he said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Right. And we have to remember right. at this yes. point, there's no descendants there's no recorded. Descendants, right. right. So he did say that that was going to be true, right? So here we have Abram in uh, verses 2, 3, and 4. He's kind of hoping that the reward that God said, you know, because your reward will be great. He's kind of hoping that a, a true heir will be that one of those rewards or that reward. And it's I love the question that Abraham says. He says, oh, Lord, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Right. And, and that's important for a number of reasons, too. Uh, one, it shows that man and God can communicate honestly, openly, and directly using everyday uh, language. Conversation. 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 And it also shows the high value as opposed to the cultures around them and really up until even Roman times. I, Mm. I think we've talked before how even we have writings from the Roman days of the Second Temple where they are amazed at the high value that Jews place on their children and their mm. family. Mm. And we can see that even today in Blessing and Cursing, Jeff. I laugh because a lot of times people think that's a super spiritual thing to be blessed or cursed or whatever. Really, if you think about it like this, yeah, you can take a Jewish blessing, which might be, and I'm going to use an extreme, the Jewish mother who says, my son, the doctor, now he's four years old, let's say. Mm. He shows every indication of being anything but academic (laughs) or talented in any way. But he hears this over and over Mm. and over. My bright son, my good son, my wonderful son, the Jewish mother, right? That little boy or that little girl knows nothing but to accept that blessing. You might have grown up in a Gentile family like you or I, perhaps, or Mm -hmm. or others, who your fathers or mothers may have wished the same thing for you, good, but they may have blessed you thusly, more like a curse. You're never amount to anything. You're going to be a bum. I hope you don't get thrown in prison. Don't think I'm going to bail you out when that happens. Right? Well, what they wanted was good, but they didn't understand the concept of blessing and cursing. Or, or the power of it. Or the power of it. Yeah. So here we see a lot of those hints, and that's what the Bible is. It gives us hints. And mm-hmm. and this fellow, this this uh, uh, Eliezer of Damascus, is also very interesting as well because Damascus is front and center in the news today, and this chapter ends uh, mentioning a number of people that we'll get to. But in our last chapter, we saw, again, pictures, types, innuendos, hints, because this is an unfolding revelation mm. of God. Mm. Even in our day, it's not done yet. It's being mm. unfolded. Yeah. But Damascus figuring prominently in these verses of conquest and blessing and land ownership. And today, by our 20th century map, Syria owns or Damascus is in a land artificially carved out during the French mandate of Syria. Mm. But biblically, it's Abraham al- it's wants always been that there. land. Right. right. Syria's always been there. Right. 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 Yeah. So 
and Damascus has always been its uh, capital. Right? Has been its capital, yeah. but uh, day, but uh, uh, at one point that city was there, but we didn't have these artificial borders, and it was mm-hmm. part of the Davidic kingdom. Mm-hmm and uh, is definitely uh, within the realm of what God promises Abraham. So a lot of shaking and moving is coming in our day. That's exactly right. Uh, so uh, Abraham continues, all right, in this, in this passage, and he says to, uh, says to the Lord, Since you have given me no offspring, one born in my house is my heir. And then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, That guy is not your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body shall be your heir. Right. Right? And then he takes him outside, and he shows him even more about his reward, right? And by the way, it's interesting that his reward is not uh, money, right? It's not material possessions, right? It's an impact on the world. Right. That's his reward. Right. Yeah. And he says, look up into the heavens, count the stars if you're able, because you can't. That's his point, right? You can't count them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. Correct. Wow. Right, exactly. So, so many things are going on in just, like we say, these verses. Uh, First of all, Abraham said, what can you give me? You've already blessed me with wealth and riches. Mm -hmm. That was enough for me. Mm -hmm. And again, going back to the Jewish value placed on children, I have no offspring. Well, why would he even suggest that his servant, who is very faithful to him, and actually goes and gets his son Isaac's wife, mm. Rebecca, coming mm. up? He's a very good man, Eleazar of Damascus, right? Mm-hmm. But why didn't Abraham, who we just saw, risk his own life? Lord knows what kind of bloodshed was. We can only imagine. Yeah. Why didn't he say, oh, thank you, God, I will, I will happily pass my goods on to Lot, for instance, for or instance, something. Yes. Didn't, didn't, didn't even bring up Lot, yeah. and, and yeah. we can surmise why that might be. But then the Lord does say to him, as you read about one coming from your own body, but mm-hmm. we're going to see that that creates some problems, well, too. Hold, hold, hold on there. Don't, <laughs> right? Don't, no, don't. Yeah, we don't want to go too fast. No, but that's but yeah. all he tells him. Is, yeah. uh, he, yeah. This one, Eleazar, will not be your heir and he does show them the stars, and so shall your descendants be. And we've yeah. talked about that before, too. Who are these descendants? Yeah. And then we have the famous line that Paul uses. Right. Right. And he says, Abraham believed in the Lord, or believed God, and he reckoned it, God did, reckoned it, or interpreted it as righteousness. Yes. And righteousness is the... Uh, righteousness is the following through, or the... Um, obey. It's not just obeying. It's it's obeying with faith, right? It's obeying with faith. And so Abraham believed. He didn't just do it. He says, he, you know, God sensed that Abraham was taking it in and and accepting it as true, and that was credited to Abraham as righteousness. So God's uh, Abraham said, uh, I'm sorry. God said to him, I am the Lord. Who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and to possess it. Right. To give you this land. But again, going slowly and, and really, really listening to what it's saying here. And he said to Abram, bring me three deer. And he asks him, he asks him for uh, animals, a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. What's the significance of those? Well, as... Uh this is where he's going to show by uh, a physical act God is, that is, toward Abraham, 
to affirm his promise. So he he brings him these these sacrifices, if you will, that uh, seemingly, according to people who uh, study this and have made uh, expositions on this, mm-hmm. uh, the significance is this was a, a common way of ratifying a covenant between two parties. Mm-hmm. Now, in this case, God gave his word, mm-hmm. but he's also going farther now. So he reaffirmed his word here about you shall possess it. This shall be for you and your descendants. Yep. So he's been told this before. Abraham mm-hmm. has this down. Mm-hmm. He, he gets it. He just hasn't seen the manifestation of it. Mm-hmm. But God is going to go a little further. See, sometimes we have to be reminded of certain things because as humans, we easily forget. And here, God gave him what was a commonly accepted way for Abraham to put himself into the, the position of understanding what was actually being done more than just God's word and it's a physical act. So I guess you could say it'd be like going to the car dealer and buying a car. You're used to signing a contract that has you know, five pages and small print and <laughs> party of the first part and party of the second part. And so you understand that. So if God comes to you and unrolls a scroll and says, sign here if you agree to be blessed by me, right? So that's kind of what's happening here. Now, the symbolism of these different animals, the birds, Hang the on, turtle dove. One, one second, before you talk about the symbolism. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to restate what I heard. You're saying that God is using a process that Abraham and people of his day would have understood. Right. To make it to Abraham familiar. Familiar, correct. Yeah. So, And Abraham doesn't hesitate for a second because he understands exactly right. what he's supposed to do. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so now go ahead and talk about the yeah so this this can get into a lot of speculation and and you know our listeners could could look this up anytime if they wanted to and see what different people think and seem and read into it or believe about it but uh, seemingly this this issue of a of a three year old heifer has gotten a lot of um, uh, comment because it specifically says a three year old heifer why so and so again the, the whole number three of course to Christianity that's very important of the of the Trinity and and so on, things like this, and and people write about that. Personally, I I, I say all of that could be part of anything God does. You know, sometimes uh, when God does things, it's it's broader than we know. So, yes, it could be any number of these things, the specific animals, why was it this, why was it that. We're going to see these kind of sacrifices, though, again, when God gives the Levitical priesthood through Aaron and the Levites. Mm -hmm. We'll see them back again in... Mm-hmm. In, uh, in the Levitical priesthood. We don't have that yet. We predate any sort of priesthood at this point other than we've seen a priest manifest called Melchizedek. Yes, we so have. we have a priesthood of sorts that mm-hmm. we understand very little about. Yep. But the priesthood that are is most familiar, the Levitical priesthood, mm-hmm. uh, that hasn't been given yet till Moses comes along sometime later. And these same animals appear there too as, as sacrifices for various things. Uh, and it's important to realize that that Levitical priesthood uh, was very specific with very specific orders and very specific uh, sacrifices for various things. Excellent. That's That's great background, Neil. Thank you so much for that. So in verse uh, 7, he, he talks about who it is, and I give you this land to possess it, and then he asks him to bring these animals. And so when he when Abram brought all of these to him, he cut them in two and laid each half opposite the other. 
Looking to give back this holiday season? Donate to the Army Historical Foundation. For 40 years, the Army Historical Foundation has ensured our nation never forgets the sacrifices of those who serve. As the Army's nonprofit partner, the Foundation constructed the National Museum of the United States Army. The Foundation's work also extends beyond the museum's walls, restoring artifacts, touring historic battlefields, and remembering all we owe to America's Army veterans. Donate today at ArmyHistory.org. Discover, this is Daniela. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just want to thank you for making me feel so special. I earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries. That's great. But with Discover Cashback Debit, we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases. Anything else I can help you with? Do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet? I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to Discover. Eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. But he did not cut the birds. Mm-hmm. He put the birds down whole. Then the birds of prey came down from the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. That's significant, right? Yeah, I think it's very significant. And uh, so we see here that that Abraham asked God uh, after he was declared righteous, "Well, mm-hmm. how will I know that this is true?" So seemingly, I know, but I don't know. I believe, but I don't believe. He's, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's like a human, like yeah. we all are. Yeah. Uh, so, so so God says, okay, let me do it something you're familiar with. And he does this act we this, just talked about. This covenant. This covenant. Yeah. Now, this covenant, this is a done deal because mm-hmm. God said, I give it to you mm-hmm. to pose that. You know, it's, it's past tense. It's done. It is for you to have this land. But, uh, Jeff, there's a, such a thing in... Um, uh, uh, th- this kind of thinking that, that that says the here now, but not yet. Yes. In other words, it's all over now. It's done. But it's not done. But it's not. And finished. now some people yep. struggle with yep. that. And so I give the example. Mm-hmm. God promised Abraham, "It is yours. It's done. It's past tense. I give it to you to possess." Done. Done. Okay. Now we're going to read about the whole centuries upon centuries yes, of are. the fighting yeah. to inhabit. Yeah. To, to inherit the, the, the promise and inhabit the land. Yeah. So what is that like, the here now but not yet? It is like when the Allies landed on Normandy mm-hmm. during the invasion of the Second World War. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. So at that point, once they got a foothold and once they landed, they, the, that is the Allies, could basically breathe a sigh of relief and say to themselves, it is all but over. It's here now. Yep. But guess when all the really nasty, mm. horrible fighting mm. occurred. Yes, exactly right. right. So it's the here now. Yes. We landed. They didn't keep us off. We yes. got a foothold. It's yep. over. Yep. It's the beginning of the end, as it were. And the Germans knew it. And the Germans <laughs> knew it. And with the vicious fighting, almost repelled them. But yeah. that's a whole nother that's topic. Whole nother but step. nonetheless, yeah. that's yeah. what we have here. It's yours. Mm-hmm. Okay, how will I know I will possess it? So first he's righteous, now he seemingly doubts. Then God says, let me do something you're familiar with. And then he lays it out. But now what's going on, Jeff? The birds of prey come on the carcasses. Mm-hmm. And Abram, mm-hmm. a- a- Abram, Abraham, he drove them away. This yes. is significant for a number of things. First of all, Abraham drives them away, not God. Okay, but what are the birds of prey? Well, we can read in scriptures later, different scriptures throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, where they are identified with demonic spirits. Mm. So what we have here is whether it was natural birds of prey or demonic that manifested, something came to nullify the covenant. In other words, God laid out the pieces, but these birds of prey came 
to take them away. Steal, kill, and destroy. To steal, kill, and destroy. Yes, and, yes. and we see that with Jesus when he talks yes. about the birds will come and take mm-hmm. what's been sown and so on. Mm-hmm. So these birds of prey are synonymous with mm-hmm. demonic opposition to what God's doing. And it's significant that God did not drive them away, but Abraham drove them away. That's awesome. Right. That's awesome. So that's that's a key thing that Abraham, the righteous man, right. God called him righteous. He is righteous. And he takes he drives them away. Correct. Okay, excellent. So now when the sun was going down in chapter 12, a deep right. sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, or hey, look, pay attention here, terror and darkness fell upon him. Wow. Right. So this is after he drove those birds of prey away. Right. This is this is after this uh, this. Uh, 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 I, I, I'm going to say it's almost without doubt a demonic attack came to nullify this covenant mm-hmm. of what God mm-hmm. was going to do to redeem mm-hmm. fallen mankind. Yep. And again, this is before the priesthood. The, mm-hmm. That that Levitical priesthood was a divine grace filled placeholder until the culmination. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing to to look at with contempt. The, the priesthood is a wonderful thing mm-hmm. that was a placeholder for a period of time till the right time came when Messiah would come to begin the initiation of this Melchizedek order. Exactly. So, yes, that's what's happening here is that uh, the sun came down and a deep sleep fell upon Abraham and terror and darkness fell upon him. Yeah. So then then we hear the Lord intervene into, into that darkness and say, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that there's that is not theirs where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years but I will also judge that nation whom they will serve and afterward they will come out with many possessions so God is being prophetic here speaking in futuristically about Abraham Abraham's descendants it's not going to be uh, candy and uh, uh, whipped cream. No, it's not. No. It absolutely isn't. And and we started this out by God saying, I am your shield and your great reward. Well, mm-hmm. sometimes as uh, believers in these documents, we can sometimes assume that our life, well, God is all powerful. Our life should be, right, the bowl of cherries. And it just doesn't work that way. And he's showing you here, God promised these things to Abraham. And here comes the opposition. We have a very real opposition. Mm-hmm. These words here are also significant because you're right, Jeff. They are hearkening ahead to what we call the Exodus, mm-hmm. right? The Exodus out yeah. of Egypt. Yeah. And it's the exact same verbiage if you go up a few where, where the Lord's saying, I have given you this land. Uh, and he asked how I can uh, possess it. He said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans. Well, mm. later he says, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Yeah. So he's doing the same thing. He's showing mm-hmm. what is about to devolve here mm-hmm. uh, uh, with with this uh, horrible vision mm. that he has. It was horrible to Abraham. And all you can do is think to yourself, Think of your children or your grandchildren, your loved ones in any way, and you see a vision of them in the future, and their life is horrible. Their life is terrible. Mm -hmm. The affliction is just awful. And that's what Abraham saw in his vision. And it says that this sleep came upon him, a, a, a darkness. It's the same when Hava was taken out from the essence of the female was taken out of the male in one human, out of his side. It's a, that same darkness came over Abraham that we see here. And God 
like visions is speaking to Abraham here that your descendants will be in a strange land. We have to tie that back too, Jeff, because way up here where it says, to your inhabitant, to your descendants, I will give this land. There are other descendants Mm -hmm. of Abraham, and some Christians say, well, that's just us now. That's anybody. But here God shows him specifically which part of his family tree, which descendants will will inherit that land. And he says they will be enslaved 400 years. Well, only the line of Isaac and Jacob and through the 12 tribes were enslaved. Yes. So it's that lineage yes, that is. will inherit the land, it's not exactly right. any of Abraham's no, no, descendants. No, no, no. But there is a, a matter uh, that occurs because of Jesus' work on the cross and resurrection and we're going to get to that, I don't know, maybe next year, it seems, the way we're going, which is great. But, yeah, there is something there. And what I think you're saying and I'm hearing is we ought not to jump the gun here. He's talking about the 12 tribes at this moment, about that land. He's talking about Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 tribes. That's what he's referring to. And then there's other things that happen after that. But it's important for us as Christians not to go, well, that applies to us. Not until we get there. It doesn't say that yet. Okay, because it's important to know whose land it is, I think is your point. God is making a covenant with Abram and his descendants. Okay, so as for you, God says to Abraham, you shall go to your fathers in peace. So you will die in peace and you will be buried at a ripe old age. And I think that's just cool. That's great that he's telling, he's telling Abraham, Abraham that. God defines more specifically what the land is here. Right. Talk talk about that. Well, he he after this horrible vision of which descendants he's talking about to inherit a specific geographical dot on the globe, Mm -hmm. it's like God comforts Abraham at this point Mm -hmm. and says, "You will go to your fathers." So, uh, a whole lot is happening there. It's very interesting for me to say a couple of things here. One, Abraham goes to his fathers, and he knows they're his fathers. Mm. Seemingly, there's already this understanding. Abraham doesn't ask for elaboration or any clarification on the afterlife. It seems like it's a known thing. Mm. Second of all, in the New Covenant, as we call it, the Brit Hadashah, uh, Jesus' teachings, they talk about Abraham's bosom, a real place where people die in transition. So it's called Abraham's bosom. That's what it becomes known as, which is what God is referring to Abraham here now after this horrible view of his of his offspring. He's being comforted. And, you know, Jeff, it is all about the land at this point. But it's interesting that in our day, what we're seeing develop is even with the new adjustment in the Middle East or the adjustments in the Middle East, it is called the Abraham Accords. Mm. Now, I don't know if mm. anybody specifically put that together from this verse or not, but it certainly fits. Certainly it, fits. It certainly I don't fits. think it's an accident. No, personally. no, it's not. Somebody knew and Somebody they knew, knew what was promised to Abraham. But the fact of the matter is there's nothing new under the sun. And so when you're trying to understand uh, uh, prophecy, if you will, it's all past tense, future tense. It's all interrelated. It's, it's the now. And so we see that again here. And it says here, you will go to your fathers in peace. And then I think you, did you read the next chapter about the fourth generation? That's, that's what we're going to talk about now. Yeah. So, so then he says in the fourth generation of the people that are enslaved, right? 
the, after they after they leave Egypt in the fourth generation, so that's a lot of years, right? They will return here to this very spot, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. So. There's something going on with Amorites that God's got to work out. Yeah, there absolutely is. Yeah. Now, the Amorites, Jeff, that, that's kind of a catch-all phrase for all the people that are presently inhabiting the area that belongs to you. And it talks about who they are in a moment here. It does. Yeah. It lists, it lists yeah. a number of them. And yeah. they're kind of a catch-all. Uh, 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 it, would, it, it wouldn't be all that much different than saying, you Americans, well, we have people who really like to hold to. I'm a Native American. I'm an Irish American. You know, I'm an Afro-American. But the catch-all, the, the Amorites of those people in, in, inhabiting that land. Mm-hmm. And again, it emphasizes who in the fourth generation they. So not all of your descendants, right. but the fourth generation, they who were enslaved. Yes. By the way, which God promises I'll judge them. And it's important to know one thing that God judges everybody on, mm-hmm. all nations, all kingdoms at all time, is how did you treat my people Israel, what was your stance? That's what you will be judged on. So here we see, okay, it's not all of his descendants that own that land. It's a specific people who go into captivity. And then he says, the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. Mm. Now that's incredible because we say, Jeff, well, God has a right timing now then for everything too. Mm -hmm. He could have just said, I've had enough. I'm fed up. I don't want to hear it anymore. Like we do as parents sometimes enough and we act. It also speaks to what you said before about Already, but not yet. They already been so. There's stuff that has to happen here, right? Right for the for for this to be complete, right? Okay? So it, it talks about uh, a smoking oven and a flaming torch that passes between the pieces of the covenant, right? Anything anything about that? Well, it's it's very mysterious, isn't it? it is. Something had to yeah. occur yeah. that, at least as it's recorded by uh, Moshe, and mm-hmm. I, we don't know what his sources actually were, or mm-hmm. or, or God just repeating it to him. Mm-hmm. But this is how he lays it down, and what it's telling you is it just isn't ephemeral, vaporous. You can't get it. There was actually a tangible, identifiable manifestation that God said, and here I am yes. applying yes. this covenant so yes. you can read into that yes. whatever you think you can find and, yeah. and and so you should what what was that what was the smoking oven and a flaming torch yeah uh, it could be a number of things we know there was a flaming torch that kicked adam and eve and, and kept them from going back going into back. the garden yeah. and so on there's yeah. all kinds of symbolism mm. you could get mm. but the fact that you should take away from this is that when god says something he also showed tangibly yeah. that I will also do. He did that throughout this entire passage. Correct. He said it, and then he showed it. Correct. He did it. So, to me, it, the flaming torch and the smoking oven, to me, are a a sign to Correct. Abram that he would understand. Remember, God is using a covenant process that Abram would understand. Right. So he's using this process, whatever it is, for Abraham. And Abraham is knowing now, it, God is really sealing the deal here. He really does mean this, and the evidence for that is verse 18. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I have given, I have given this land. Right. From the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. And that's the that's the new borders that we have. This is a new understanding of exactly that, the size of the land that God gave Israel through Abraham. So it's an interesting thing here. No backseas. 
on this covenant, no backsees, right? Right. Yep. This doesn't expire. It didn't go backwards. Right. It was never, it never refuted, never canceled this covenant, ever. Well, God is not what we say a, uh, a re-gifter or a yeah. <laughs> go back and, yeah. and rescind what I've yeah. promised. Yeah. Quite the opposite. It's, it says in the New Covenant that the gifts and calling of God are without you know, repentance or, or without doing that. In other words, mm-hmm. you can trust what I say and give. Yeah. I will not be, yeah. as we say, as, uh, schizophrenic. I'll not go back on my mm-hmm. word. I'm consistent mm-hmm. from beginning to end. Yeah. And I have given this I have to given. you. Yeah, right. it's, it's, uh, it, it's not really, you know, we talk about the plain and literal. Right. This is one of those times right. where it's not confusing. No. It's, you have to read into it to make it confusing. Yes, you do. Right. If you just take it for what it says, I have given this land to you and your descendants. And the very specifically identified descendants of who he's given the land and to. And he's and he's defined the land. And he's defined the these... river, The river in Egypt is the Nile. Well, that would be certainly what... Uh, uh, is an, there another one? Uh, there is. Okay. That some people say it can't be that. Okay. Uh, but nonetheless, others say the only river of Egypt mm. would be the Nile. The Nile. But... Because we don't know, Jeff, that's mm-hmm. the whole point. There, there, There's an unfolding yet in our day. We are in a partial new covenant, and we have to accept and realize that, that when the fullness comes, it will be clear. Mm-hmm. Part of that is these boundaries. In other words, here God is listing a number of people who reside in and about that land. Mm-hmm. But as we go forward, uh, and that's significant, and they all fall under this group of the uh, of the uh, Amorites that, that God mentioned earlier. See, we just it seems like we're just coming out of the, uh, the dream or the vision that mm-hmm. Abraham yes. hears. Because he says, yeah. in the vision, in the dream, he saw this smoking oven and flaming mm-hmm. torch, and it passed. And then it says, on that day. So... Seemingly, you could say, on the day that he had this dream, this vision, this dark, deep uh, uh, abyss that he went into and saw the future, that God made a covenant with Abraham saying, now, he already made the covenant. Mm -hmm. So God, again, just to make it clear, he reaffirms and reaffirms. Why does he do that? I think it's for our benefit because we can be slow. (laughs) I will say this, Neil, if I, excuse me, as I look at verse 14. Mm Mm-hmm. He's talking about the uh, the land of Egypt, which is where they will be imprisoned and enslaved. Right to give them to give them the land from you know the Nile, which is Israel, which is Egypt's prized possession. Right, it really would be a uh, retribution uh, act. From from the Lord. I mean, I'm just saying. It, right. It, it fits yeah. really, really well. And you with would, the with the context of the of the passage that we're looking at. It's very hard as you look at all of the verses, and we won't go into them mm-hmm. though about just what does mm-hmm. the land of Israel comprise? Yeah. What what exactly is that? And mm-hmm. at different places, it's bigger or smaller. The Davidic kingdom, for instance, was much larger than present day Israel. Mm-hmm. The land offered to present day Israel in 1947 with the League of Nations included all of. Jordan because some of the tribes resided there wow. in the conquest. Wow. So, you know, these borders we have today are artificial, but someday God will mm-hmm. make all things known to he us will. and there will be he a will. defined geographic region again that will be to whatever degree Israel, but it will certainly encompass what is Israel today, 
But whether it's all the way mm-hmm. to the Nile or to mm-hmm. what they call Wadi Egypt, which is a small river, mm-hmm. whether it's all of the Sinai, that was considered part of Egypt at different times. So what is God referring to? Mm-hmm. There are certain things we don't know in their entirety, but we do know this. Mm. Basically, that region is promised some part of it from the Euphrates to the sea, north to south, to something called the River Egypt, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It belongs to the children of Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes, Mm -hmm. definitively. Has been given. Has been given. Done. Done. So it's an interesting thing here, folks, and and we, we paused here at this chapter because we wanted you to grasp you know there israel why is the middle east important okay so god has a plan here god is doing his plan god is revealing his plan right here in this chapter uh in chapter 15 in genesis and it's not it's really hard i mean you, you have to be really intellectually dishonest to not accept what this says Folks, uh, we're, we're going to pick up the, the journey here and revisit the tests of Abraham and the parshots we're talking about uh, in, this, in this portion. Uh, but we wanted to stop here, and we'd love to hear your thoughts about what you think about chapter 15 in Genesis. This has been a great discussion for this episode of Israel, Why is the Middle East Important? I look forward to how this continues to unfold As you can tell, Neil and I enjoy talking about the subject as it helps us to get to the root of the matter about God and why Israel and the Middle East are so important. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and we would love to hear from you. Visit us at our home at Spreaker.com. Israel, why is the Middle East important? That's Spreaker.com. Israel, why is the Middle East important? And you can find us on Facebook using that same title. And you can email us at whyisthemiddleeastimportant at gmail.com. That's whyisthemiddleeastimportant at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. If you like what you hear, please invite your friends to the conversation. One thing Neil and I always say to each other is, I don't know. Because the only way we know is to not know. Once you have it all figured out, you stop learning. And that state of mind is what helps us to learn and grow. We invite you into that journey with us. From Neil Johnson and me, Jeff Pelletier, Shalom, and see you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.